Welcome, and thank you for listening to Sandy Creek Stirrings. I'm your host, Joshua Jimenez. And if you're going to win souls, you've got to love souls. In spite of their meanness, in spite of the way they look, in spite of everything, you've got to seek to bring souls to Jesus Christ because you love them, because Jesus loved them, and because Jesus died for them, and you're trying to bring them to the Son of God. The Bible says in Psalm 84, 11, my last verse, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. I based my whole life on that, that it pays to serve God, and I believe that with all my heart. God has given us a guidebook. God has given us a directional map, and that guidebook, that map, is the precious Word of God. Listen, don't just go and sit in the pew. Find some way to serve and serve as a family. Be a part of everything at church, and when you learn to love what God loves, um, your children will learn to love it as well. Homes are not that spiritually strong. We're getting overtaken by the world quickly, but unfortunately, we're pumping all the sewage in. You know, we're letting the world in when that ought to be a haven. Welcome back to Sandy Creek Stirrings, and thank you for listening into the podcast today. We are continuing an episode, a part in our series entitled, Where Is My Church Going? Ten Signs Your Church Is Changing. Where is my church going? Ten Signs Your Church Is Changing. It's been a little bit since we've done one of these episodes and continued this series. It started back in episode number 166, and um, we talked about that in part one, Where's My Church Going? We discussed some different things, and we'll talk about what we discussed here in a little bit. But we went from one episode number 166, then to 168, then to 173, Episode 174 and episode 179 was our last one that we did on the subject of 10 Signs Your Church is Changing. And talking about this thing of so many people are sitting in churches that um, they begin to change, and they begin to go in a different path. They begin to go down a different road that many members thought their churches would never go. Once again, uh, this week I heard from a, a person who was sitting in a church who the church has changed. And things are being done that just shows you the church is moving in a different direction. And so many times we begin to sit here and we wonder, you know, um, what should I do? And so we went over the series to talk about 10 Signs Your Church is Changing. And this is a series that I think is helpful for those who are moving to a new area and maybe they're trying to find a good church, talk to your current pastor and say, hey, preacher, do you know any churches in this area that I'm moving to? Do you know any preachers that know a preacher in this area that would have a good recommendation for a church? And then, of course, you're going to begin searching online. You're going to begin watching some live stream services, taking a look, taking a look at their doctrinal statement, their constitution, their bylaws. Um, look at some of these things and see, okay, what's this church? What do they stand for? What do they believe? What do they do? How are their services run? And really, this needs to be a big, important decision. By the way, you should never move, never move, never relocate until you find a church that is like-minded, that um, believes the Bible, that sticks to the stuff. And so that's very important. Never make that big of a decision and and move. So um, I think this is also a good series to help pastors. Um to make sure that our churches and our ministries aren't changing. You know, the Bible talks about sticking to the old paths wherein is the good way. And the Bible says in Proverbs that a prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. And so many times if we're not careful, we can get dragged out into something 
that we never intended to go into, but because we didn't look ahead and see, okay, where's this ship sailing? Where's it going? We ended up in a situation we never really wanted to be in. And so that's kind of what this series is about. We've talked about many different subjects in the area of where is my church going. We've looked at, um, number one, we talked about dimming the lights. I think dimming the lights is a big sign of the church that maybe used to be independent, fundamental Baptist. I mean, hellfire and brimstone preaching. I mean, it just stuck right down the line with the Bible. I think dimming the lights and beginning to add in, you know, they darken the auditorium, and it's a little bit harder to see, and, and you know, they're adding up these pretty little lights up here at the front and things. I think it's not necessarily wrong, but it's a sign that your church is changing. And you say, really? You really think that's that big of a deal? Dimming the lights in the auditorium is that big of a deal? Yes, I do. Go back and listen to episode number 100, and I think it was 166 was part one. Uh, yes, 166, episode 166. And uh, we talked about why, what, what reasons do they give for dimming the lights and then talked about why those are just really excuses for a change. Uh, number two, we talked about a focus on emotionalism. So many churches, especially when you get into Pentecostals, and uh, we, we start to incorporate Pentecostal values into Baptist churches, um, we begin to do a lot of focus on emotionalism. And uh, there's a prominent evangelist who used to go around and preach, and, and now is a pastor of a church, I think it's in North Carolina, and his church is just an hour and a half of singing and running around and jumping around, and a bunch of emotionalism really has nothing to do with the moving of the Holy Spirit. It's just people getting worked up emotionally, and um, that's when a church begins to change. Number three, we talked about a casualizing of the dress standards by the leadership. The, the pastor who used to wear the suit and the tie begins comfortable in jeans and a hoodie. I, I know those situations that happen. There's a, there's a man of God that I know that I was excited to meet and to be with, and he has since changed, and now in one of his recent services he preached in jeans and a hoodie. A godly man of God used to teach at a great Bible college, and now pre- preaching in, in, in jeans and a hoodie. There's just something not right. And you say, it's just clothes. What's the big deal? The Bible says, whatsoever ye do, do it all to the glory of God. The Bible says, whatsoever thy hand finds to do, do it with thy might. Let me ask you, are you really dressing your best for services when you wear jeans and a hoodie? No, you're not. You're not doing it with your might. And I think that's a, a sign that the church is changing. Number four, we talked about the introduction of contemporary Christian music into the church, and then we talked about the introduction of the new. And you say, well, obviously the new is, you know, a change, and, but what we sp- talked about specifically there is when we begin to take things that work and have historically been a landmark— and we begin to change them. We stop the soul winning. We stop the bus routes. We stop the hymnals. We stop these different things in the introduction of the new. The next thing we talked about was stand, the stand on the Word of God. And when a church begins to change or stand on the Word of God, they begin to become not KJV only. We're KJV recommended. We, we, we only use the KJV for preaching and teaching, but we use you know other versions for other things. That is a change. The next one we talked about was a unification with false churches. A unification with false churches. When we begin to join the Brotherhood Association or the Ministerial Association, that's a sign that our church is changing because we're not keeping the separation there as it used to be. 
So anyway, that's enough for the introduction today, though. We'll move right into our topic. Let me encourage you, though, if you have enjoyed uh, Sandy Creek Stirrings, why don't you leave us a review on Apple Podcast or on Facebook? You can leave us a review there to help people find the same kind of content that you have found and hopefully are able to enjoy. And then last but not least, you can always email me with any questions. Maybe you have a question on this subject. You can email me, and that email address is joshua at sandycreekstirrings.com. Again, joshua at sandycreekstirrings.com, and thank you for being a listener. We'll jump right in, and this will be number eight on our list of things of that your signs that your church is changing. This will be number eight. And this one is one that I'm really seeing spread across a lot of churches in our nation. And that would be politics overtake the pulpit. Politics overtake the pulpit. When you go back and you look at 2020, which you could call the COVID year, and the year of the election, and then 2021 following up with the Delta variant and the, how do you say, the Omicron variant or whatever it's called, and you take all these different things, I think we really saw a surge of politics beginning to overtake the pulpit. And part of that had to do with politics just overtaking the people in general. I mean, it was just ridiculous. People, godly Christians who used to share Bible verses and talk about soul winning and share church services and things of that sort, instead, we're doing 25 posts a day on COVID vaccines. I mean, seriously, that's all they spent their time doing was researching things about vaccines, not winning souls, not winning souls, not helping another brother or sister in Christ. It was just, oh, the vaccines, oh, Oh, no, what are we going to do? Biden, Biden, Biden. They just let politics overtake the people. And I think what we saw happen as well is so many, so many pulpits across America got overrun by politics. And I think when politics begin to overtake the pulpit, well, the church is changing, and the reason why is is because the focus is changing. The focus has changed from the God who's still on the throne to the president who's now in office. The focus has changed from the God who can still work, who can still do miracles, to the God who, well, is such a troubling time, from the God who said, go soul winning, the God who said, be faithful to church. Well, I'm scared. I'm scared I'm going to die. I'm scared of COVID and all these things. The focus changed. And when the focus of a church begins to change, well, then the church begins to change. Now, talking about politics and the pulpit and things of that sort, let me start by saying I truly believe, truly believe that there is a time for politics to be talked about within the pulpit, specifically the, the um, God-given command for a Christian to vote. There are people out there who preach that, you know, Christians should have nothing to do with voting. They shouldn't vote and blah, blah, blah. And you have uh, the Jehovah Witnesses who don't believe in voting. And you've got guys like Stephen Anderson online. Do not listen to him. Uh, maybe we should do an episode on him one day, but just a nut. And uh, But he's, you know, we shouldn't vote and all that, blah, blah, blah. No, the Christians have the obligation and command from God to vote. We did an entire episode on that, why and how you should vote, and that was episode number 29. And we've done that from the pulpit here at Victory Springs Independent Baptist Church because it's part of the Bible. Electing leaders is part of God's Word, and it's a biblical obligation we have to go out and to cast our vote for what's, um, what's best. 
And so I believe it's a biblical command just as much as going out and going soul winning is a command. Now, it's not the Great Commission given to the church, right? The commission wasn't, I, I want you to go out in Jerusalem and, and elect good leaders. No, it was to preach the gospel to every creature. All right, so it's not the Great Commission, but it's a command to the people of God to go out and elect leaders. I think there's a time to talk about that from the pulpit. Uh, I think Christians should have a say and should have a part in electing their officials. You go back to episode number 75, we talked about, um, it was Baptist History Lesson number 22, Baptists in the American Constitution. We talked about how we wouldn't have the Bill of Rights, we wouldn't have the freedom of religion if it weren't for some Baptist who stood up and said, this isn't right, we need a Bill of Rights that cannot be removed from us. That all came about because some Christians stood up. And so I think within the political realm, it's important that Christians do stand up, that they do make their voice known. But we have a problem when the politics begin to overtake the pulpit. As I said, I think there's times to preach on the obligation to vote. I think there's times to maybe maybe discuss. I don't know if you do it in a service. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Maybe you do it before a service. But maybe you just read the differences between the Republican platform and the Democratic platform. Look, your church is a guiding line for people, and I think they need to know some things about politics. It's not like the days of old, like way, 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 way old, where there was— where there wasn't a whole lot of difference. I know you history buffs are about to rebuff me, but um, the Democrats and the Republicans way back in the day, there wasn't a whole lot of difference when it came to the morality side. But starting many years ago now, there there's a big difference. Big difference. And I think there's a time and a place to talk about that. I think we should openly and publicly condemn sin, in our government, right? I think when things are changed and laws are put into place, I think we should publicly condemn it from the pulpit. I think there's a time for that. I think we should be willing to take a, a stand and, and to, to reach and to make an impact in our government, but we can't. Listen to me. We cannot let politics overtake the pulpit. We can't let it happen. There's no way we can allow politics to overtake the pulpit because it allows our focus to change. It allows our focus to change. Look, the pulpit is where God's Word is preached. That's what it's there for. Its purpose is to give the Word of God and to lead the people. But when we begin to develop a political agenda for the pulpit— it will begin to overtake its purpose. The agenda will overtake the purpose. Now, there is a time to expose the truth. Now, I remember our pastor during 2020 um, did a little lesson on Black Lives Matter and why, as Christians, we cannot support the Black Lives Matter movement um, based on their beliefs, based on what they teach people. But the agenda right? The times where we talk about that, the agenda cannot overtake its purpose. And that's reaching souls. You say, why can't it? I, I was recently, recently at a conference and a pastor talked about what our battle is truly against. I want to give you a couple of the points that he gave. He brought up some wonderful points from, uh, f- 
Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 12, where it says, for we, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And he gave a couple statements. I want to give some of these to you today just as a reminder. He said, number one, if our battle is not against flesh and blood, then our hope is not in flesh and blood. So many people the past election year back in 2020 placed all their hope and trust in the flesh and blood of Donald Trump. And when he didn't get into office, oh my goodness, doomsday happened. Oh no, what are we going to do? We're going to keep living just like we went through the years with Obama, President Obama. We're going to keep living just like we went through the years of President Clinton. We're going to keep living just like we went through the years. Folks, life goes on. If our, if our battle is not against flesh and blood, then why in the world, why in the world are you placing your hope in flesh and blood? Your focus is in the wrong place. He said, number two, if it's not against flesh and blood, then it's not against those who vote away our freedoms. Listen to me. So many times we focus on, well, we've got to stand up against them. We've got to stand. We're not going to change the government by going and holding a sign up on the front steps of the Capitol. Here's how we'll change the government. We'll change it by changing lives in the communities. And when communities change, that's when we can begin to change a nation. He said, number three, righteousness in government doesn't exalt a nation. Righteousness in citizens exalteth a nation. We can spend so much time, well, I'm going to go call my senator. I'm going to go call my congressman. I'm going to go uh, protest. I'm going to go share a few uh, political things on Facebook. That's great. How many souls have you won? Because you can't expect to change President Biden. You can't ex expect to change the Supreme Court. You can't expect to change the laws until you start changing the citizens of this nation. And that starts when we soul win. And can I just give you a reminder God always works through the remnant. Over and 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 over in the books of Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, God talked about the remnant, the remnant, the remnant, the remnant, the remnant, the remnant. It's the pieces that are left over. God will work. God will work through the remnant. Wasn't God willing to save Sodom if there were, I mean, these big cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, these weren't small little towns. These were big cities. God said, if there's 10 righteous people, I'll save those entire regions. He was willing to save off the remnant. Number four, he said the pastor in the pulpit is more important than the politician in the office. Church member, you need to remember that. The pastor in the pulpit is more important than the politician in the office. And preacher, you need to remember that, yeah, we may have some things we need to stand up for, but you're more important than the politician in the office. You have a higher calling from God. I like the way a pastor of old put it. He said, if I was asked to be the president, I would have to turn him down. He would say, I could not step down from such the high calling that God has given me. Because that's what it would be. The pastor in the pulpit is more important than the politician in the office. Number five, soul winning is more important than political activism. And I think that's something we've gotten away from. We've gotten political activism. I need to go here. I need to go to the Capitol. I need to do this, and I think those things are important, and we need to do those things. I think that's great. Call your congressman. There's an issue, yes, because there, there are certain facts about how many calls they get can change their mind. Yes, those are good things, but let me tell you something. 
you start spending more time calling your congressmen than you do passing out tracts and winning souls, we have changed our focus. And when we change our focus, it changes our church. And how can we expect anything less than we allow than when we allow politics to overtake the pulpit? That's what happens, folks. We allow politics to overtake the pulpit. Now, let me give you five things real quick and we'll be finished up. How do I know if the political agenda has overtaken the biblical purpose of the pulpit? How do I know if the political agenda has overtaken the biblical purpose of the pulpit? Let me give you five ways you can tell real quick. Number one, our messages become more focused on news rather than the Word of God. Our messages become more focused on the news rather than the Word of God. We've got to talk about this current event and Oh, 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 Russia's invading Ukraine. Let's preach an entire message on the news and the current event. Well, did God lead you to that message, or are you just preaching because you think it's something interesting or something that people would like to hear? I think we have a problem when our, our messages are centered, and we got our messages because we read the newspaper, not because we read God's Word. And whether you like it or not, There are many preachers across this nation who were reading Fox News, and that's where they got their message the past couple of months, rather than reading God's Word. Number two, a message can't be preached without taking a political jab at some point. I think if every single message has to contain a few political jabs, then we begin to see that the political agenda is overtaking the biblical purpose. Do you know that it's okay? We don't have to take any political jabs while we're preaching. We don't have to. I don't have to talk about Biden one time while I'm preaching. I don't have to talk about Russia one time while I'm preaching. I don't have to talk about gas prices one time while I'm preaching. I don't have to take any political jabs. It's not necessary. I don't have to do it. But I think when we begin to focus on, well, I'm going to make a jab here. Ooh, that, ooh. Well, I think the political agenda is beginning to overtake the biblical purpose. Number three, the delivery, the message, is more about doom and gloom than about joy. Can I remind you the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, 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 long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, fake, meekness, temperance, I think is all of them. But can I remind you joy? Naturally, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to have joy. That's a natural byproduct. You cannot be filled with the Spirit and not have joy. But when we get into our pulpits and we, oh man, look at those rising gas prices. What are we going to do? Oh no, Russia is doing this. What are we going to do? Oh no, they're not opening the pipeline. What are we going to do? Oh, no, here comes another COVID variant. What are we going to do? Oh, no, look at this terrible foreign policy. And those things may all be true. But listen to me. When we begin so focused in our pulpits on what are we going to do with these rising gas prices, I don't know. We're going to have to really pray really hard, and we do need to pray. I'm not saying don't pray. But we begin to focus more on the doom and the gloom than what better time to reach souls. Friend, people are freaked out. What better time to reach souls? What better time to go soul winning? What better time to see our churches grow? What better time to see all these things happen? Let me tell you something. 
our delivery and our message can't be so focused on doom and gloom that we forget that we're supposed to be a people of joy. That's one of the reasons we're peculiar. We should be having the fruits of the Spirit while the world cannot have those without the Spirit. And so we're supposed to be peculiar in that we have joy. They don't have true joy. They have temporary happiness. That's all they have. But when we become like them, whether it be in the pulpit or in the pew, right? Because so many people sitting in the pew will say, yeah, our pastor shouldn't do that. Oh, well, you know, Brother Josh, I just don't know. You know, these gas prices are getting too high. If all you ever are is doom and gloom, you've forsaken the purpose that God has given you. Number four, I believe that we can see the political agenda is overtaking the biblical purpose when, number four, more is said about Biden's amnesia than about how much we should pray for him. More jokes are cracked. Oh, he can't remember anything. Well, you know, he, he, can't, he stumbles through his words. Have you, did you hear his speech the other night? More is said about his amnesia or his dementia or whatever you want to call it than about how much we should pray for him. And whether you like it or not, let me give you a revelation. That's not really a revelation. You're supposed to respect him. Did you hear me, Christian? You're supposed to respect him. So how do you think you're being very respectful when all you do is cut the leadership down? Now, I, I think there's a time and a place to acknowledge that you have messed up. You've made some bad decisions. You've done wrong. I can't really respect you as a person, but I'm going to respect your position. Listen, friend, we can't get away from that. We can't get away from praying for him. We can't get away from reminding people that we're supposed to respect him. When's the last time you encouraged your people? When's the last time you encouraged your friends? Then instead of making fun of the man who, yes, is ruining our nation. When's the last time we encouraged, you know what, that's all the more reason we should spend more time in prayer for him. When's the last time you spent an hour in prayer for President Biden, that God would work on his heart and that God would change him? Not about Russia. Not about the gas prices, not about all these different things. You prayed for it, specifically President Biden, that God would change him. When's the last time? But you can go to McDonald's with some of the brothers from church, and, oh, you can rip him for an hour. Come on. Isn't that right? We can go with our buddies, and we can rip the president, and rip the vice president, and rip Congress, and rip this, but we won't pray for them for the same amount of time. Where is our heart really at? Because truth is, if we really cared, and yes, I'm challenging the fact that I don't believe we care enough. If we really cared, I think we'd pray more. If we really cared, we would spend more time praying about them than about cutting them down. And I think from the pulpit, when we begin to spend so much time talking about, well, he's a failure, he's done this, instead of, we need to pray for him. Well, I think the political agenda has been get, begun to overtake the biblical purpose. And then number five, this is one we've already talked about, but I want to bring it up again. Number five, when from the pulpit, the focus changes from soul winning to political activism. The focus changes from soul winning to political activism. 
when we become so focused on, well, we need to go up to the Capitol and we need to do this and, and we need to carry signs and we need to post on Facebook and we need to call our congressman and we need to do this and we need to do that. And we have 50 people share on Facebook this week about all the terrible things going on in Russia, but we have 10 people show up for soul winning. Mm. It shows where our heart's really at. Let me tell you something. It'd be better to have 10 people call a congressman and have 50 people out for soul winning because that's what will change the nation. That's what will change the nation, is people out soul winning. We change the community, we can change the city. We can change the city, we can change other cities. We change other cities, we change the state, we change other, this state, we change other states, we change other states, we change the nation. All because people started within the community. This is big. Your church is changing when they begin to allow politics to overtake the pulpit. Because when politics overtake the pulpit, it changes our focus. But can I put a spin on it for those who are listening today? Our focus begins to change as well when we let politics overtake the people. I tell you, can I just be honest with you for a minute and this episode maybe go a little bit longer than I wanted? I am tired. <laughs> I'm tired of hearing about politics. I'm tired of hearing about this and that and there and what about the... Tired of it. Christians talk so much about politics, we've forgotten to talk about prayer. We've been talking, forgotten to talk about Bible reading. We've forgotten to talk about. I'm not talking about from the pulpit. I'm talking about in the pew. When think about the last time you met with your friends and you had dinner, what'd you talk about? Politics, right? Politics. We've got to make sure that we're not allowing politics to overtake the pulpit. But we also don't allow politics to overtake us as a people. So many times we can get caught up in the whirlwind of politics that instead of being a people of God with the joy, and as the book of Peter says that we should be ready to give every man an answer, um, that asketh us of the reason of hope, and I just butchered that verse, but you know the you know the verse. We should be ready to give an answer to every man that asketh us a reason of the hope that lieth within us. But the problem is so many people have lost our hope because we placed our hope in a political regime or in a political stance, or in a political platform, we've lost our hope. And when men ask, we don't have hope. All we want to do is complain. It's time to get back to having joy. How about this one about having peace? When politics overtake the people, we lose our peace. The peace we have that, you know what? Yeah, not a good, not a good president, but I'm not worried. God's still got this. There's a peace there. Yeah, you know, Russia's invading Ukraine. Terrible. Terrible things are happening. Wicked things. Somebody needs to do something. Somebody needs to stand up. There's a nation that needs to fight, right? There's better things that could be done than what our country has done up to this point. But where's our peace? Instead, we're just kind of fidgeting around. Oh, my goodness, the gas prices and the pipeline. And oh, what if they send a nuke here? What if they EMP us? And oh, what are we going to do? Where's the peace? Where's the peace? 
the peace that passeth all understanding. I'm afraid we've let politics overtake the people. In so doing, we've let politics overtake the pulpit. And when politics overtake the pulpit, then the church begins to change. So, there's another sign that your church may be changing in our series, Where Is My Church Going? Ten Signs Your Church Is Changing. Number eight was Politics Overtaking the Pulpit. You have any questions, you can send those in. Joshua at SandyCreekStirrings.com. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, my friend, hey, keep looking up and keep stirred up for the cause of Christ.